Attention is therefore chiefly turned at the present to the state of his own mind, or rather to that very censored version of them, which is all you should allow him to see. Encourage this. Keep his mind off the most elementary duties by directing it to the most advantaged, advanced and spiritual ones. Aggravate that most useful human characteristic, the horror and neglect of the obvious. You must, bring, <clears throat> you must bring him to a condition in which he can practice self-examination for an hour without discovering any of those facts about himself which are perfectly clear to anyone who has lived in the same house with him or worked in the same office. Number two, it is no doubt impossible to prevent his praying for his mother, but we have means of rendering the prayers mild. Make sure that they are always very spiritual, that he is always concerned with the state of her soul and never with her pain and sickness. Two advantages follow. In the first place, his attention will be kept on what he regards as her sins, by which, with a little guidance from you, he can be induced to mean any of her actions which are inconvenient or irritating to himself. Thus, you can keep rubbing the wounds of the day a little sore even while he is on his knees. The operation is not all difficult and you will find it very entertaining. In the second place, since his ideas about her soul will be very crude and often erroneous, he will in some degree be praying for an imaginary person and it will be your task to make that imaginary daily, that imaginary person daily less and less like his real mother. The sharp-tongued old lady at the breakfast table. In in time, you may get the distance so wide that no thought or feeling from his prayers for the imagined mother will ever flow over into his treatment of the real one. I have had patients of my own so well in hand that they could be turned at a moment's notice from impassioned prayer for a wife's son or daughter's soul to beating or insulting the real wife, son or daughter without a qualm. When two humans have lived together for many years, it, is usually hap it usually happens that each has tones of voice and expression of face which are almost unendurably irritating to the other. Work on that. Bring fully into the consciousness of your patient that particular lift of his mother's eyebrows which he learned to dislike in the nursery. And let him think how much he dislikes it. Let him assume that she knows how annoying it is and does it to annoy him. If you know your job, he will not notice the immense improbability of this assumption. And of course, never let him suspect that he has tones and looks which similarly annoy her. As he cannot see or hear himself, this is easily imagined. In civilized life, Domestic hatred usually expresses itself by saying things which would appear quite harmless on paper. The words are not offensive, but in such a voice or at such a moment, they are not far short of a blow to the face. To keep this game up, you and Glubus must see to it that each of these two fools has a sort of double standard, 
Your patient must demand that all of his own utterances are to be taken at face value and judged simply on the actual words, while at the same time judging all his mother's utterances with the fullest and most oversensitive interpretation of the tone and the context and the suspected intention. She must be encouraged to do the same to him. Hence, from every quarrel, they can both go away convinced or barely nearly convinced that they are quite innocent. You know the kind of thing. I simply ask her what time dinner will be, and she flies into a temper. Once this habit is well established, you have the delightful situation of a human saying things with the express purpose of offending and yet having a grievance when offense is taken. Finally, tell me something about the old lady's religious position. Is she at all jealous of the, of the new factor in her son's life? At all piqued? that he should have learned from others and so late, what she considers she gave him such a good opportunity of learning in childhood? Does she feel he is making a great deal of fuss about it or that he is getting on it very easy terms? Remember the elder, elder brother in the enemy's story, your uncle, Screwtape. Well, uh, good news for those of you who are wondering, the girls won their soccer game tonight. Four to one. It's very exciting. Uh, if you're wondering, you see guys wearing these like I am, we had our men's retreat this weekend. Yeah. The real men are wearing these tonight, and uh, we actually have some extras available. If you'd like one, we'll sell it to you at a right price. So uh, for those of you who signed up for the women's retreat uh, and did not go, your T-shirt is still available. I think it's, I forget what Randall says, like 10 bucks or something, so you can purchase that. We'd appreciate it. Um, If you have your Bibles, you can turn to 1 Peter 5, 8. Well, actually, you don't need to. I'm just going to read these two verses to you real quick, and you can just follow along. probably be easier. I read this last week. It says, Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. John 17, 15 says, My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your presence with us tonight. And Lord, we long to see you move. And Holy Spirit, I'm asking tonight as we begin our time together, would you open up, would you open up uh, understanding and revelation tonight what you have for us? Uh, Lord, I pray that you would move and give us ears to hear. I pray this in your name. Amen. So last week we started this, this two-week series specifically talking about uh, the work of the enemy. Uh, that we have a, a real enemy, according to 1 Peter 5, 8, who prowls about. He wants to destroy us. 
all right? That he is all about um, finding a place in our lives, like we've read here from the screw tape letters, trying to get in and, and work with, mess with people, right? To hurt them, to maim them, to, to confuse them. In John 17, 15, Jesus praying says, this is, Lord, I don't, God, don't take them out of the world, but protect them from the evil one. He prayed this because he, he felt there was a real need, that there was actually a real enemy who was actually moving, who was actually working against the people that he loves. And so he actually prays that God would move in their life. Now, when we talk about an enemy, it's important to remember that he is against us. That's the thing, right? That we are the focus of his energy. He looks for ways to get in to destroy, and to destroy us. Luke 4, I've read the story about Jesus. The story of himself actually being tempted by the enemy. He's sent by the Spirit, according to Luke 4. 1. He's, he's sent by the Spirit into the desert. For 40 days and 40 nights, he fasts. And at the end of that time, the scripture tells us that the enemy came out and tempted Jesus three times. And, and those three temptations all revolved around the exact same thing. He says, yes, Jesus, you are the Son of God. You have great power. Now, why don't you use your power for your own personal gain? Why don't you go against God's will because you really are God, and why don't you just go ahead and use your power for your own personal gain? Satan, when he looked at Jesus, realized that if there's any area that I can get him in, it's this idea of going ahead and just revealing who he is. If there's any weakness, quote-unquote, in Jesus, enemy was trying to get in and find that and exploit it. Jesus, obviously, didn't give in, right? He was able to resist the temptation. He was able to keep the enemy at bay. But the thing I want you to recognize is this, as it relates to our own lives. If Jesus was not immune to an attack from the enemy, why do we think that we can be? If Jesus himself came under attack, what makes us think that the enemy himself would not want to attack us? The thing that's actually sobering, it says this, this is when Satan left Jesus. It says that the devil had finished all his tempting. He left him until an opportune time. What that simply means is this, the enemy's going to come back. He was not done. He was planning on finding another time, another avenue or time in which he could actually come and attack the enemy. But the enemy could attack him. It was one of those things. He was just aware of this, right? And he recognized an opportune time is coming. I will try to get him again, and he did. We know at one point Jesus looks at Peter and says, Get behind me, Satan, for you don't know what you are saying. That literally saying, Peter, you are being used by the enemy to be a temptation for me, to not actually fulfill the calling that God has for me in my life. Jesus said, Protect them from the evil one, for he knew what was coming for all of us. So what does this attack look like? What does it look like for us? The enemy is always looking for ways to get a foothold in our life. If you watch the interaction here happening between 
screw tape and his nephew, Wormwood. You see, he basically is saying, I want you to take their everyday stuff and I want you to exploit that. And he even says at one point, this whole phrase says this. It says, finally, tell me something about the old lady's religious position. Is she at all jealous of the new factor in her son's life? At all piqued that he should have learned from others and so late, what she considers she gave him such good opportunity of learning in childhood. Does she feel he is making a great deal of fuss about it? That he's getting in on easy terms? Remember the elderly brother and the enemy's story. The elderly brother, the elder brother basically in the story that he's talking about was this, this brother who had the prodigal son, right? This, his brother who had left, spent all his, all his money, wasted it, comes back. And the son, this, this, elder, this, this elder son watches as the, his younger brother actually receives all these gifts from his father. And his father has a huge party for him. The elder son gets furious and says, how can you do this for him? And I've been over here working for you. And, this, and Screwtape and the nephew are saying, listen, I want you to try to find some sort of irritation even in the fact that he's come to Jesus, that he's come home, this person's come back and become a Christian, I want you to even find an avenue in that that you can put them at odds with one another. See, the enemy is smart. He's going to use everything available to him to get in and to cause separation and to attack us on all sides. He is looking for ways in our lives to exploit us, to find ways through which he can enter and he can ultimately destroy us. Tonight I want to look at some of the different names of the spirits that can come against us and recognize the open doorways they look to walk through. Now let me just say before we go any further this. I'm going to talk about some things that you may not agree with. Or some things you probably have no knowledge of in your in previously. I'm going to talk about some things that you may completely think are crazy and erroneous. And that's okay for you to think that. As long as you don't just dismiss it. The first thing I want to talk about is the spirits of the occult. That there are avenues, this is the way the enemy will come. Spirits of the occult dealing with witchcraft. I don't know how many of you have ever really known a strong witch or someone who's really been deep into witchcraft. I've known some people. I've had some conversations with them. They have legitimate power. It's, it's obviously not good. They're opposed to, the, to Jesus, but they have legitimate power. I could tell you stories. I don't think the time is now to do that of things that I, I, people have told me about experiences they've had, things they've done, things that they've seen. But I want to say that witchcraft is something that in the world that we live in has become pretty commonplace. The media uses it all the time. It's become a selling point. We've become immune to it. But I want to say that witchcraft in its purest form is incredibly dangerous and opposed to God in every facet. If you don't believe me, talk to somebody who's in it. Ask them about what they've experienced, what they've seen, what they've prayed against. Do you realize, you may, not agree, you may not believe this, but there are witches who actually know pastors' names in their city and will and pray against them every week and put curses on them and their families. You may not believe that. 
If you don't, you should do a little bit of homework and not be so ignorant. The second thing is this, Ouija boards. Have you ever played Ouija boards in your day? I don't know if you've ever done it before. It's a scary thing. If you've ever seen one work, why do you think it works? What do you think is moving things around? My mom tells a story. She went to Shorter College, which is a small, back in the day, it was a women's only college in Georgia. Now it's co-ed. And she went there, and she played at the Ouija board one night, and it spoke to her, she and her friends. And it freaked her out. About 20 years later, she gets a phone call from our pastor one day who she has told this story to about playing the Ouija board. And, and he calls and says, hey, Kathy, there's this woman here sitting in front of me who actually is attending Shorter College. And she's come to me because she's scared to death because she was playing with the Ouija board the other night and things began to move and it spelled out a name. My mom said, did it spell out the name Damien? And, she, and so he asked her, and she said, yes. How did she know? She said, she said, because that's the same name that was spelled out to me 20 years ago. The occult. Some of you are completely immune to have never heard about it, never really even thought much about it. And I want to say to you, it's one way. For those of you who have engaged it, you know there's something there. Some of you, I'm going to guess that someone in this room is engaged in some level somewhere in your life. But I want to say this is a, this is a way that the spirit of the, spirit, the enemy will move in our lives. The second thing is this, the spirits of sin. The spirits of sin, the way the enemy will move in our lives, the spirits of sin, lust, pornography, hatred, murder, jealousy, or envy. Unconfessed sin is an open door the enemy will continually use to get into our lives. How many of us have known someone who has allowed a sin to get out of hand? Or maybe even you yourself have experienced it where something that started out small has grown and become destructive in your life. Lust, anger, jealousy, envy. One of these things just has been birthed in your life in such a way it actually controls your thoughts and controls your day. Back in 1991, there was a story that came out about Wanda Holloway. She had a daughter who was 13 years old who was trying out as a cheerleader. And there was another girl who was trying out too who Wanda thought, wow, I think she's actually better than my daughter. So she decided, and she was just incredibly incredibly jealous and envious, incredibly competitive to the point she said, I've got a great idea. I'm going to hire, I'm going to find, I'm going to get my brother-in-law to and hire someone to actually, a hitman to actually take out the mother of this girl who's competing with my daughter. And so she went through the route and he hired the wrong person actually connected to the police and they ended up, ended up putting her in jail. And she said, yes, I did this. Now let me say this. There's something about unconfessed sin. There's something about envy and jealousy and anger that when it continues in its route, it leads to, to places that the enemy twists. And I look at this woman and I think, what takes this suburban mother from Texas and takes her to this point of literally hiring a hitman to kill 
this mother so that her daughter can make us a cheerleader. I have to guess that somewhere along the line, something extra supernatural and extraordinary was moving in her life. I believe the enemy had to have been twisting. Unconfessed sin will open up doors in our lives where the enemy begin to twist and give us imaginations of things that just aren't true and speak lies that we will begin to, leave, to begin to believe. And the third thing, the way the enemy moves, is the spirits of trauma. Spirits of trauma. This is the most common thing that we face today, the enemy moving in our lives. The trauma I'm talking about consists of our weaknesses or sins committed against us. It is very much like a, a physical wound that we get. We have a physical wound. If, we're not, if we don't clean it immediately, then things can get in and literally infection. Infection can get in and, and set in and we can have a double problem. We actually have the wound itself and the affection that goes along with it. And spirit, a trauma that happens in our life, whether it be just whatever it may be, whether it be broken relationships or literally someone getting raped or, or whatever it may be, something just horrendous that happens to us is a trauma that literally causes a wound. If we're not careful, and the, the enemy will come in and put infection in that. And we'll have a double problem. And we face that all the time in the world that we live in. An emotional wound that we don't necessarily deal with. It becomes an open door for the enemy to enter and begin bringing destruction. This trauma in our life can be anything that we face. Anything that comes our way ultimately can bring a trauma, a broken relationship that we just can't get over. A, a hurtful, painful word spoken by someone important in our lives which causes a wound, namely our parents or someone in our family or our friends. An event that sparked fear in our lives, like an abortion or rape or even a life-changing accident. Many of you know Josh Connors. Josh Connors was, uh, was involved at Wesley since my first day here. And if some of you might know, like, I don't forget when it was, sometime last year, I think, he had like three major car accidents in a row, totaled all three cars all within one month. And it was just this horrible thing to the point he literally was... He couldn't, he couldn't drive anymore. Anytime he got into the car, he said, Steve, I'm just undone by fear. I'm just, I, I just I can't function right. I think about driving. I just get scared. And so we talked through that. And, and I felt like the Lord said, Steve, said, like, remember, trauma can cause this. Pro- trauma can cause an entry point for the enemy. And so I said, hey, Josh, this may sound crazy, but sometimes trauma can really be an entry point, especially for this thing of fear. Why don't we pray and ask God to break that. So we went a few weeks, with, and there's our schedules didn't line up. And so every time I'd see him and say, hey, how's it going? You still need to pray. He's like, yeah, I'm still there. Every time I get in the car, I think about a car, I'm just undone by fear. And I, I, can't, I don't, can't figure it out. I don't know, no, don't know why it's there. I know it's not a big deal, but I just feel it. I said, well, let's just pray. So finally, about three weeks later, we, we get in my office, and he comes up, and we talk through some things. And, and so I say, hey, Josh, why don't, you, why don't you just pray and ask and say, just pray that the spirit of fear be broken. He said, okay. So he prayed that. He says, Lord, I just give you this fear I have, and I ask Jesus that you would break it, break the power of my life. And I took him, I just looked, and I made him sit in front of me. He looked straight, you know, eye to eye, and I just began to name it. It says, fear in Jesus' name, if you are present, I command you to reveal yourself. And all of a sudden, he's, I said, do you feel anything? He said, I feel something. I feel this stirring. I feel, I feel this weight. I feel this weight. And I said, that's good. So let's just pray. And so we continue to pray. And all of a sudden, he says, all of a sudden, he just goes, he just breathed. He says, it's, something just happened. 
I'm like, what do you mean? I said, he said, something just broke. I literally felt something, a weight, and all of a sudden just left immediately. He's like, how did you do that? And I said, I didn't do anything, man. I said, I just prayed. I said, I, he's like, seriously, man. I was like, oh, my gosh. He's like, how did, I got to learn how to do that. I mean, gosh, it's incredible. It's just, he was amazing. We were walking down the stairs again. He was like, I can't believe this. You remember, Josh? He's like, you know, Josh, he's like, oh, my gosh. I'm just, he, said, I, he said, I literally, I literally, I went from, I have no fear. It's gone. I can't wait to hop in the car, literally in an instant. These things which are done to us are open areas the enemy will come in and try to bring destruction. Several years ago, I'll call her Dawn. We were praying, and and, actually we were talking one day, and she 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 was one of those people that was continually in a relationship. Literally, she couldn't remember a time in her life where she wasn't either pursuing someone or in a relationship, and, and she was just not ultimately happy in life. She didn't have a guy. She was depressed, and she was seemingly always pursuing a relationship, and, and she was just undone and unhappy, and she wasn't ultimately happy in a relationship. She was going from one relationship to the next, and, and it was just this weird thing. So we talked through it one day, and she just like, she said, I just, I just always feel like there's this, I just feel overwhelmed at this a level of fear. So we got together at her house, and Randall was there, and we began to talk through this. And as we talked, we began to just to realize that she had lived a life, a difficult life growing up. Like she had this rejection from family, all right? Like a wound that had been caused because of disconnect specifically with her dad. And so she lived her life with this intense feeling of rejection. She hadn't named it necessarily. She wasn't going around saying, I feel rejected. But she, when we talked, we just began to realize this rejection. And what had happened is this rejection had literally birthed a fear in her. A fear of being alone, a fear of being unloved. And that's why she continually went from guy to guy. She was only ultimately happy when she was in a relationship. And when she wasn't, it's like she was depressed. And so we began to pray. We began to name, just to name these things. We just began to name those, those specific things. This entry point, this spirit, this is what I would call the spirit of trauma. So I named rejection. We began to pray through that. It's like, did you feel anything? She's like, yeah, a little bit of stuff. And, and no lie, I said, okay, let's just move on to fear. And so I had her look me in the eyes, and I began to pray. And I said, fear. I mean, she went from being completely normal to sitting there, and we'd kind of laugh in between. And I said, in the name of Jesus, fear, I command you to reveal yourself. And she started shaking. And I said, how are you feeling? She's like, you, she's like, I am overwhelmed by fear. I want to run out of here as fast as I can. I've got to get out of here. I've got to get out of here. I'm so scared. Oh, my gosh. Like, what's happening? What's happening? And I said, this is a good thing. Just sit still. I said, let me just pray for you. And so we prayed. I, don't, I forget how we prayed for a while. And finally, at one point, she just stopped shaking. And she said, it's gone. She's gone. She's like, I, so what do you mean? She's like, I was shaking with fear. And all of a sudden, she said, just moved. This may sound weird. She said, just moved. I felt like I moved to my belly. It was like a weight went to my belly. And she said, and then, she said, you, I, forget, I said something, you named something. And she said, it just immediately just left. And I feel light. Completely set free. Now, here's the deal. This entry point of the enemy was something she hadn't even done. It was something that would have been done to her, a trauma 
this rejection and this, that had birthed this fear inside of her. Now, trauma is literally anything that produces, like it could be anything that produces any form of anxiety in your life. It could be, it could be this, seriously, the whole thing I talked about with the rape, having been raped and you're just undone now. As If you think about relationships, or maybe on the flip, you know, or if you feel such a level of guilt for the decision that you made, or, or even on the flip side, maybe you, you can't stand people who now tell you what you, can't, you can and can't do because you had the right to do that. And you just now, anyone who tries to tell you what to do, you're like, back off, because you had the sensitivity, whatever it may be. Or specifically being in college at UCF, and you go into classes with professors who seemingly are bent on disproving Jesus and God. And so you come home with this state of confusion of like what is true and what is real. And you're literally living or living in this confusion. It's a trauma to what you've believed all of your life. I talked to some of you and you're at this point of like, oh my gosh, I'm so undone. It's like a crisis of faith moment. It's a, it's, a, it's a trauma to everything that you've known. And, and the enemy can literally get in and all of a sudden cause you to be questioning everything that you've ever believed. And I'm all about questioning. I think there's a healthy component of questioning. But I believe there's also a place that it's trauma that it brings death. The enemy wants to get in and twist and confuse and lie. So what does the enemy do then? These, these spirits we're talking about. And this may be uncomfortable for some of you. I want you to continue, just keep on trying to press in. So these, these spirits, what does it look like when they, try to, when they come? Well, there's two things. There's these levels of oppression or ways that the enemy wants to move in our lives. When they come, they come through temptation. They come through temptation we all deal with this issue. The enemy will come and aggravate our existing weaknesses or try and twist our imagination. These traumatic things come or, or there's sin in our life and all of a sudden we feel the enemy just at our door. He's tempting us just to, to believe this lie. Or he's saying, well, if you just do this or you just believe this or, hey, man, you can do whatever you want because you have the right to. It's okay to be jealous over that. It's okay to be angry and to live in that anger. It's okay for separation. It's okay, whatever it may be. It's your life. You can do whatever you want to. It's your body. You can do whatever you want to with it. It's okay to question everything. Level of that's true. It's okay to question, but then you can take it to the wrong, to a place that's detrimental. Second thing is emotional oppression. How many of you have woken up in the morning and just been overwhelmed, feel like a 5,000-pound weight just laying on your shoulder, just riding on your shoulders, and you don't know where it came from. And people say, how are you doing? And you say, my gosh, I just feel overwhelmed, and I don't know why. I just feel this weight. I'll never forget, I'm uh, probably 23 years old, and I'm sitting there one day, and, um, or 24, 25, actually, and I'm, I'm working at Wesley at Georgia, and I, and I just wake up, and I feel this oppression, this weight, and I I couldn't name it at the time. I'm, I was like, man, this, this is, I'm just having a bad day. What is this? I don't really know what's going on. And so I continued on and through the day, and I got to this point. I'm praying at my desk. I'm like, Lord, what is this? Seriously, because I just can't even function right. 
I can't, I'm like overly emotional. I get I'm easily frustrated. I'm just quick to anger. It's like, what is going on? Every, like, I'm, a, I'm, this, this, I'm, I'm this naysayer. Everything someone says, I just want to fight with them. What's going on? And so I'm like, Lord, what is this? And so I sit at my desk, and, and I was like, he just, I felt like he just said, you need to get Tom and Michael Moore to pray for you. So I walk into Tom's office, and I grab Michael and said, hey, I don't know what's going on, but I'm feeling this thing. I feel this weight, and I can't get away from it. So they began to pray for me, and, you know, I, and they began to pray, and all of a sudden, Tom just said this, and this is, let me qualify this after so you can know what, know, what, know what I'm talking about. He says, he said, in the name of Jesus, spirit of death, I command you to release Steve. He said that, and it literally, I went from fog to clarity in my mind. Literally, an immediate from fog to, oh, clarity. And, I'm, and I thought to myself, the spirit of death. I mean, I'm not thinking about death. I'm not thinking about suicide. This is bizarre. What is this? And I, I prayed, and I felt like what he was saying is like, he's trying, like the enemy was trying to kill, kill my passion, kill my excitement, literally kill relationships. The spirit of death trying to come in and spiritually bring death to me. Where did it come from? I have no idea. Why was it there? I ultimately don't know. But all I know is that and I, when he named it, it stopped. Now, as I say that, you may not believe me. You may think I'm making it up, and that's your, your, you have the right to do that. But all I know is I experienced that moment from fogginess to clarity. This emotional oppression. How many of you face that? I talked to a bunch of you, and I sensed that emotional oppression on you. So what do we do? What do we do? Three things that I just want to name to you. These are just really simple things. Number one, don't be ignorant. Don't be ignorant. If he will try to destroy Jesus, he will try to destroy you. Plain and simple. Don't be ignorant to the fact that he actually is moving. Jesus prayed. He says, I'm not praying that you'll take them out of the world. I'm just praying that you will give them strength and victory over the enemy. He's praying for us that we will, when the battle comes, when that comes, when the enemy moves in our life, that we won't give in. We won't lose the battle. Don't be ignorant. Several years ago, and I'm going to tell this, this is actually a little exposing. I'm not comfortable sharing this, but I'm going to share it anyway. Several years ago, um, I was applying for a job in Omaha. I really don't want to tell you this story, but I'm going to. <laughs> and I had just gotten back from India, and, and, and I was in, in the interview process. It was a great interview because they actually began to ask me about my life. And they said, you know, this really in-depth uh, uh, probing, um, uncomfortable questions. And one of the questions was, so are you, are you, are you struggling with lust at the present time? <laughs> I was applying for a church job. And, um, and I just, you know, I had this moment of crisis. I'm like, well, do I be honest? Or do I just tell them, well, you know, I'm doing great in my life right now. Thanks for asking. You know, it's like, I said, I'm going to be, I'm going to be, I'm going to be real. So I said, you know, in all honesty, I said, you know, I, I'm like most, I'm like everybody else. There's a level of lust in my life. I, 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 I think about sex and stuff. But there's been something that's happened in the last two months since I've gotten back from India that I cannot deny that my imagination, the area of lust is just, it's off the radar screen. I said, I don't know what to do with it. I don't know where it came from. So I, just, I said, it's just, it's just bizarre. I don't know what to do with it. And so he said, well, let's just pray into that. So in my interview, we'll start praying. 
and just asking the Lord to move and to speak. And so, so all of a sudden, uh, I'm there with a guy, his name's Les Beecham. And Les says, he looks at me and says, hey, he said, when you were in India, did you visit a Hindu temple? He says, as a matter of, I said, yeah, as a matter of fact, I visited the largest Hindu temple in the world in Madurai. He said, I don't know what happened. He said, but something attached to you while you were in India. Now, he said, we're going to pray for you about that. Now, rewind back to India. I remember getting back that, that remember we're going to that temple. It was, it was amazing to see. But I remember that night we got home. And this is not making sense either. Um, I'm going to throw it out there. I remember laying in bed one, and all of a sudden waking up with incredible fear. And I, in my mind, I thought, the, there, is, there is a demonic presence in my room right now. I don't know what it is. I don't know why it's here. I don't know what's going on, but it's here. And we're waking my buddy Kyle up. And I was just, I mean, I, was, I don't get scared very easily. And I, and, and very easily and I, I've dealt with the enemy before, and I was undone by this. I'm like, what's happening? And I remember I woke my buddy Kyle up and says, you've got to pray for me. We prayed, and I felt it, and I felt it subside. And I feel like in that, you know, so, so when they prayed for me that, that day, two, year, two months later, and they pray, and all of a sudden they break it and it goes away, I thought back to that moment. I don't know what happened. I don't know what went on. But when I was walking through, something literally attached itself to me and began to move in my imagination. And I tell you that, and it's, not, it's uncomfortable, but I want you to, to know that no one's immune to, work, to the enemy working in their life, of trying to attack and latch on. They prayed, and it was broken. It literally was night and day. The next day, the rest of that day, and from then on, it was like it was, ne- it was never that way, ever again. So the first thing is don't be ignorant. The reality is that he'll move in anyone. second thing is this. Be honest about where you are. I had, a, I had a decision that moment. I either just go ahead and say, man, I've had that conquered for the last 15 years, dude. You should hire me because I'm your man, right? I could tell them that. Or I can be completely honest with them and say, this is where I am. Yeah, I'm dying here. You may not hire me because of it, but this is, this is who I am. Take it or leave it. But what happens is the enemy wants to say this. You can't tell anybody because if you do, they will think that you are weak. Or if you do, they'll think that you're weird. Or the, his favorite line, in my opinion, is this. Hey, you and God can work this out. Just you and God. You don't tell anybody. Just you and God. And it doesn't work. We continually wrestle over and over and over and over again. We have to be honest about our sins because they will destroy us. I'll never forget, I've told many of you, some of you have heard the story before, but I had a dream back when I was in college. And I'm walking over this hill with a friend of mine, and I get there, and there's this little bitty dilapidated fence about this big. And there's this little bitty tree, um, and tied to that tree with a little bitty rope is this massive Tyrannosaurus rex. And I walk over the hill, and I, and I look at it, and I think, oh. And I tell him, that, that's my pet dinosaur. And as I look at it, I'm, and, I'm, I, and I'm, I have this, this other part of me over here, this like realistic, rational side that's going, what in the heck am I doing with a dinosaur? This is scary. This, 
that rope is really small, that tree is really little, and that fence is just a piece of junk. There's nothing going to keep that dinosaur in. I'm just living this duality. If this is my pet and I'm walking looking at it and I'm scared to death at the same time but I'm enamored by it and I'll wake up. I'm like, Lord, what was that? He said, Steve, he says, the dinosaur represents the sin in your life. You're treating it like a pet and at any moment it could literally destroy you. Okay, thanks, God. (laughs) Appreciate that, right? The enemy is out to destroy. And if we're not honest with our struggles, the traumas, the things we're wrestling with, whether they're simple or they're large, if we're not getting that and being honest, then it can destroy us. And the third thing is this, get someone to pray for you. It's the thing I love about Jesus. Jesus went through and found people like you and me who, who, had, who had an oppression, a weight of the enemy on their lives connected to them. What did he do? He went through and he set them free. Remember, he was the Savior. I talked about last week. He's the Savior who's saving us from something. What's he saving us from? The work of the enemy. And so he literally came to set people like you and people like me free from the things, the weight that the enemy is bringing, right? When, there's, when he comes to the door, those familiar places, he begins to name them. He sits there and he says, I'm waiting. I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. Because Remember this whole thing over here? I'm going to wait for something that's going on that I can literally get in and twist. And he comes in in these areas of, uh, of oppression. He sits there with temptation and he brings this weight. And Jesus is saying, I want to come and set you free. I want to come and I'm going to empower people to pray for you that you'd be set free. I want to say tonight that I believe that there are many of you in this room who literally are wrestling with some form of oppression. The enemy has attacked you, whether it's a spirit of trauma or an unconfessed sin in your life, maybe in the spirits of in the occult, I don't know. But there's, probably, there's something going on in a lot of you, I believe. If you're sitting there saying all the time, I just don't know why I feel like this. I always feel this. Or you're living in perpet- like a perpetual naysayer that you, everything is negative that comes out of your mouth. Or you're continually living in this state of depression and of worry and of anxiety. And you can't, and you're just not enjoying life. And you just always feel this weight. Have you ever thought about the enemy? Now you need to understand that I'm talking about this, but I'm, if you know me, you know I'm not, a, I'm not a demon behind every rock kind of guy. I'm not going on demon hunts, right? I'm not going with my, my little knife over here and going demon hunting, right? I'm not doing that. My, what I usually say to people is say, well, I mean, it can't hurt to pray, for, pray against the enemy because I don't even know he's there. Let's just figure it out. If you're struggling, let's just pray. If it's there, it's there. If it's not, it's not. We'll just, then we'll move on. I pray for some people, nothing happens. I pray for some people, and other voices start coming out. Woo. What do you do with that? You deal with it. But I want to say tonight that emphatically that I believe that there is a real enemy. You may not. I do. I believe he's active. I believe he's moving. I believe he's out to kill, steal, and destroy. He wants to find these open doors, these open pathways in your life. And he wants to move. And in many of you, he is. 
because we're living in ignorance the fact that he actually is moving. And then Jesus says, well, I've come to set you free. I've come to move in power and break the power of the enemy. That's who I am. That's what I'm going to do. And so what I want to say tonight is I want you, I want you to be aware and begin to question the things that are going on in your life and say, okay, I'm not going to go demon hunting either, but I'm just going to be realistic about where I am in life and say, is there something happening here? Is the enemy moving and twisting? Has he gotten in, has he connected to me, gotten in, is he twisting my life? And I want to encourage you, get someone to pray for you. Now, let me just put a little disclaimer on that. I would like for you to get someone to pray through that stuff with you who's actually a little bit knowledgeable on how to pray about stuff like this. Can anyone pray for this? Yes, anyone can, but some people just don't know how. And I would like for you to get to someone who actually recognizes this, believes in it, has and believes in the power of God and is willing to pray for it, even if crazy things happen. If you're feeling fear tonight, and I'm talking about all this stuff, you don't need to. That's why you have your crowns. Everyone pick your crowns up. Now, I'm not going to make you put them on, but if you're a real Christian, you would. Just kidding. These are your Burger King king hats. Because here's the reality about Jesus. You are a son and you are a daughter of the king. You are royalty. And as you put your crown on, you make it, you look at it, you look at someone else. I want you to recognize that you are all destined by God to be victorious over the work of the enemy because he came to set you free. He is Savior who's come to set you free. And if you're feeling a twinge of fear tonight, of like, oh my gosh, what if I go home and I, I see this or I hear this? The enemy is just, he's twisting in that. He's trying to move in that. I want to say, you just need to say, shut up. I've been set free. Fear can no longer has to hold me in bondage. If you live your life in that place, I want you to recognize that you have been created to live with the crown. A son and a daughter of the king, a holy one set apart for God's divine purpose. So as we end tonight, what I want you to do, you can hold on to that crown as a reminder of who you are. We're going to go into worship. And what I would love to happen is this. I would love for you to be honest about where you are and that you'd be willing to get prayer. And no one's going to know it's about. You may be coming up and saying, wow, my, my cat died two days ago and I feel like it was a trauma and I need you to pray. The enemy wouldn't get in, on, get, in, get in on that. Or it could be something as large as the things I named earlier. But I'd love for you to begin that process of praying through that. Because we've been created for freedom. And your destiny is freedom.
So I want all of us to stand. Go ahead and stand up. And I'm going to pray over you. That I'm going to pray over you. Uh, if you don't mind, if it's cool with y'all, I'm going to pray that if the enemy is moving, he'd begin to reveal himself. Does that make you uncomfortable? Jesus loves us too much to let us live without freedom. There's nothing magical about my prayer right now. I'm just going to pray and ask the whatever's, whatever's moving in your life that's opposed to God. It's literally bringing destruction will be revealed. Father, I come now in the strong name of Jesus. And Lord, I'm asking that you would move right now in power. God, right now we declare that you were Lord. We declare that you were King. We declare that the enemy is a created being. And we, we declare right now that the cross of Christ was for the purpose of setting us free from the things that hold us in bondage. Father, you've come that we might have freedom. Jesus, you prayed for us that you would have, we'd have victory over the enemy. I declare that victory tonight. That people who are in this room, Father God, who are undone by the work of the enemy, that tonight that they can be set free. Jesus the spirit of fear, I command you now to begin to reveal yourself. You have no right to be present in these people's lives. The spirit of the spirits of trauma, I command you to release tonight. Spirit of confusion, I command you tonight to reveal yourself. You, this is not a safe place for you. Spirit of anxiety and worry. Spirit of rejection. Jesus Christ defeated you on the cross. And I declare the cross of Christ tonight, the victory of Jesus over every single person here. Holy Spirit, would you come now and would you break the power of the enemy because you love us. And I'm asking now that your righteous indignation would well up inside of us and that, Lord, you would come and deal promptly with these things because of your great love for us, Jesus. Tonight we're going to do this. We're going to, the staff are going to be in pairs. And if you want someone to pray for you, if it's something that's like if you're a girl and you want to just pray, pray with, talk to a girl about it, um, then that's fine. Um, but if you would like someone to pray with you through this stuff tonight, we'll be available on the sides. Come find us. We'll talk through this. We, we may need to set up some time after tonight to pray through some things. But I believe tonight is going to be a breakthrough, a breakthrough night for some of the people who are here. Please engage this. Don't let fear overwhelm you. Don't, let, don't allow your ignorance about these things to keep you away. Ask the Lord what's going on.